0: Hey, all you cool cats and kittens, going crazy yet? And welcome! Big shout out to my freshmen out there, my seniors out there, my fifth-year seniors out there too, and of course, for those of you still lingering on to your high school dreams, besides being a little bit older than the demographic. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some I. High School Centric Films I'm Brian Rodriguez And the party's at my place this evening But first School is still in session Even if it's remotely And we have some homework to chat about This
1: was your assignment
0: And I would like to see the results Big shout out to all our healthcare workers And everyone else in the support system So much love I do this for you I also do it for all of us who are at home and maybe with a little extra free times and maybe people who are looking for a distraction. Hope you're healthy. Hope you're staying safe. That's super, super important. And I hope you did your homework because today's homework was very important. I'm counting on you guys. I'm counting on you. I I maybe can't see you in the classroom. But I'm definitely, you know, counting on you to do your assignments and take this seriously. You don't want to be behind on what is your sophomore year of High School Slumber Party. And like I said, it's a big one. Today's film is Dazed and Confused. And I hope you watched it, because we have a very fun chat today with Matt Delhauer. But also... Did you do your homework? Did you do your other homework? And listen to Monday's episode. That's right, just a reminder, during this crisis, we are going twice a week, just for you slumberers. And Monday's episode was a really fun one. It was The Substitute, a crazy Tom Berenger 90s action film. And we had two of my favorite guests on. Both these guys were at the live show. Of course, I'm talking about the foodie films man himself, Kyle Reinfried. And... Christian Larson, the host of Monkey Club and the host of some upcoming things that you definitely want to check out. That was a really, really fun episode. You're probably not too familiar with the movie, but you can watch it on Amazon Prime. And even if you don't, you will really enjoy that episode. Trust me. And, of course, you can catch that episode on our flagship. That is cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Along with all the other great episodes of High School Slumber Party. And so many other great shows. The aforementioned Foodie Films. Monkey Club. Remember, Fridays are for fun, guys, whether it be for Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks. I think Furious is releasing on Fridays now. I guess it's not called Furious. It's too fast, too forever. You know what I mean. <laughs> a lot of great shows, that's for sure. And, of course, you could always listen to us where you're listening to us now, and that's one of the great places you can get podcasts, whether it be Google Play, whether it be Stitcher, whether it be Apple Podcasts, whether it be Spotify. And while you're there, give us a nice little five-star rating. Why don't you write us a review while you're at it? Those are the great ways that you can help this free show, zero dollars and zero cents, every week, twice a week now. And the other way you can help us is by telling a friend about all the love and magic that happens on High School Slumber Party. Oh, you might be surprised. These are dark times, but I'm in a good mood because, again, we're talking about a great movie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The bell doesn't dismiss you, I dismiss you. That's right, I'll say it again, I brought the bell home with me. Don't disrespect me. Who are you, John Cusack? Anyway, another story for another day. One more thing, remember, class participation is a huge part of your grade, an even bigger part of your grade, you know, in in these certain times. So you want to go on Facebook, you want to go on Instagram, you want to go on the Twitter, and you want to chat it up with me, like what I post, comment. I definitely want to hear from you guys. I love hearing from you guys. And trust me, I need it in a time like this. I need you guys. Help me help you, like the great Tom Cruise says in Jerry Maguire. I digress. So put on your favorite jammies. Tell your mother you're video chatting with Brian or audio chatting or something, because we're about to get our party on. I leave you with a song from the great *Days and Confused soundtrack, one of the best of all time, and that's not an overstatement. Slow Ride by Foghat. Class dismissed. I was trying to think about how to start this episode off. I think it would be maybe too obvious to do the all right, all right, all right. All
2: right, all right, all right.
0: So I'm just so excited to talk about this film. Matt, you've been on the show before, but I'll remind you because you've only been on once before how we introduce ourselves on High School Slumber Party. You say your name, your high school, your high school team name, and graduating year optional.
3: I am Matt Delhauer from the class of 2007 Vernon Township High School Vernon Vikings. Oh, yes. Go
0: Vikes. (laughs) I remember now. The Vikings. So this is a big one today. This is an important one. I was kind of leaving some bullets in the chamber for a while, but this year I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to do some of the movies. You're going to pull that trigger. Yes. (laughs) The trigger (laughs) is being pulled. And today we're talking about 1993, Dazed and Confused. It was on a list you submitted to me. So we'll just dive right in here. And if you want to hear, guys, about Matt and all, his high school hijinks and stuff. You can listen to the episode we did together on brick in the archives, but I feel like we're going to have a lot to talk about today. So, why days and Confused? When was the first time you saw it? What's your history with this film?
3: I think the first time I saw it was, in fact, in high school, if not maybe a little younger. It probably was, like, maybe eighth grade or something like that. And it was one of those movies where, when I was really young, it gave me, like, a sense of, like, wonder about high school. <laughs> and I had this, this you know, sort of, I guess, a fear of it, but also, like, this rosy-colored view because, it's you know, everything seemed like everything was so cool in this movie and everybody's hanging out with everybody and like there's no real divide amongst the grades like you know granted you've got the the soon-to-be seniors running around paddling freshmen which luckily (laughs) I was able to avoid in my high school (laughs) career it has this real like you're hanging out with friends feeling to it that was just so unusual to me when it came to watching any kind of a movie. Oh, my God,
0: absolutely. Like, for me, this is not a movie I was too, too familiar with. I mean, I obviously knew about it from being in the culture and stuff, but I maybe watched it for the first time, I think, after high school, which is weird. And this is the first time in years that I've seen it and, like, really paid attention to it. I purposely avoid films after i've started the podcast unless i'm covering them that week so Mm -hmm. it's been a while and oh my god again i'm so excited to talk about it i assume you enjoy this film i mean oh i do okay
3: this was one that i had to honestly think back when you you had told me like hey send me a list of like your favorite movies about high school and like i had said with the brick one i had to think to myself like what the hell is a movie about high school (laughs) and when i i came across this while looking a bunch of you know high school movies up I was like oh hell yeah man dazed and confused i remember that and like I, it was also one that i hadn't seen in a long while i literally had to watch it today because my schedule was so weird but it's it's a movie that going back even watching it when i'm 30 compared to when i was like 13 it's still one that like it just brings a smile to my face this movie has No plot, and that doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) Right? Like, I wrote down, like, so much happens, and yet nothing happens. And I'm totally okay with that.
3: Like, I think maybe one person in the whole movie has character development in any fashion, and even then... It's really not a lot. It's just, after worrying about it all night, Randall decides, I'm not going to sign your no-drugs contract. <laughs> and that's about
0: it. But that, that made it so awesome to me, because like that's pretty accurate in like a less-than-24-hour period. It's very rare that real people have character development, theoretically, in that period. So, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I-, I loved it. The things that really stuck out to me this time was what we're talking about in terms of like the quote unquote like no plotness of it but also just like the almost timeless quality like obviously it's a period piece but gun to my head like if I didn't read what date this movie came out, I wouldn't be able to tell you because it it looks like it could be long in that time, you know what I'm saying Yeah and that really struck me this time. And the third thing was, The soundtrack. I can only imagine, for a movie that didn't have that big of a budget, how much they had to pay for just the songs.
3: Uh, Looking up the trivia, I don't know if they ever gave like an actual price point, but I believe they spent one-sixth of the entire budget of the movie on just getting the rights to all of the songs that they use. Which
0: is crazy. (laughs) But I get it. I I definitely get it.
3: That's a big thing about, specifically with this movie, is that this is one where... This movie, I think, would be very different if it wasn't for the songs that are in it. It's a movie that doesn't have to take place in 1976. It only did because that was when Richard Linklater was in high school. So for him, it was, I'm, I'm basing this off of what high school was like for me. But it's, I think the soundtrack is what really kind of backs up the rest of this movie because it gives a very authentic feel to the world it's building.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it kind of reminded me of American Graffiti in that sense.
3: Absolutely. And it, it's funny enough, as I was watching a um, a behind-the-scenes documentary today as well, where they were talking about the making of the movie, and that was how he pitched it to Universal initially, was he was like, I want to do my own version of American Graffiti, but, like, in the
0: 70s. Wow. I mean, that, that makes total sense, just from the music and... Not as big of a cruising element, but there certainly is a big cruising element. Oh, yeah. So, since you did watch the the behind-the-scenes, I'm sure I'm just going to be saying things you know, but maybe not everyone knows out there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But before any of that, if you guys are not familiar, for some reason, with Dazed and Confused, every week I read back of the VHS, back of the DVD, whatever I could find a picture of. So, here's a back of the VHS of Dazed and Confused. It was bangs, bell-bottoms, polyester and puka shells, macrame and mood rings. We rocked and rolled, we were jaded and innocent, but most of all we were dazed and confused. Nice. With with hilarious and touching honesty, this critically acclaimed comedy from writer-director Richard Linklater explores the last day of school and one rowdy night in the lives of a group of high school students in late May 1976. Everybody's along for the ride, the jocks, the jerks, the stoners, the cheerleaders, the in-crowd, even a long since graduated high school wannabe. And at a wild and crazy midnight beer bash, friendships will be made and lost, futures pondered, romances kindled, and freshmen, having endured a nasty hazing at the hands of incoming seniors, will plot their revenge. It's funny because that's like, it's pretty accurate to what the movie is, but like we're saying, it's not necessary, you know?
3: <laughs> yeah, I give them a lot of credit because if somebody asked me, like what? What happens in Dazed and Confused? It's my back of the the DVD would be like a bunch of high schoolers try and have a party. It doesn't work, but then they have a different party.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, really, it's that's just like, it. Yeah,
3: <laughs> like if, if you really need a plot, that's that's it.
0: <laughs> like what? It's it was the last day of school. Things happen, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, which is great. I'll ask: Are you a Richard Linklater fan?
3: I, the truth be told, is. I've always loved Daisy Confused, and I never honestly sought out other things from Linklater, but I also can't say that I haven't seen his stuff. Like, it's, it's this weird thing where it's like, this caught me at a point where I was watching movies before I wanted to be in film, so I wasn't, like, going out and being like, you know what, I gotta see all the stuff mm-hmm. this director makes. And this movie just sort of fell off of my radar by the time that I was getting into film, that his name was never one that really made me go oh my god i got to go find stuff i know the name and and when people would say like oh yeah it's a richard linklater film i'd be like oh cool and i'd feel like that definitely means something but i also constantly feel like i'm mixing him up with other people
0: <laughs> oh i laugh because like i i'm in the same exact boat as you like i know people who are diehard fans but i no joke until today really didn't look up the imdb and i was like wait this same guy directed all these movies There seems to be films he has that are, in my mind, more what I thought Richard Linklater. And then, like, I didn't realize he did the new Bad News Bears. Or, like, I've seen School of Rock. I didn't know he was the director of School of Rock, you know? Holy crap, I did not either. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm like, wait, what? You know, because usually, obviously with auteurs, they have a certain style. I I think um, Tarantino rates this film as one of his favorite films of all time. But you know a Tarantino film. But, like, you know, Days of Confused... Um, like, Boyhood. Obviously very different movies, but... Oh, yeah. Everybody Wants Some is similar to Days and Confused, but that's, like, what I thought of him. And then, I again, I see things like the Bad News Bears one, or even... Scanner Darkly. A Scanner that was Darkly, one I was yeah. Of. <laughs> I'm like, this guy, like, does stuff. You know, this guy works, so... I mean, it's, good for him. It's,
3: it's funny. It's, it's so weird in the fact that it's, like, anything that I've seen that he's made, I like, but because he almost feels like he's such a chameleon when it comes to like style or a way that he goes about making a movie there's never a point where i'm like this is definitely a link later movie absolutely it's like yeah. he he is it's funny because it's it's he's the kind of director where it's like he makes a movie and the movie is what you remember and not him it's in a way sort of like what a director is supposed to do mm-hmm You're supposed to really love the movie and the story that they're telling and maybe even the style that it's being told in, but it's only ever been such like a a 1970s to maybe early 2000s thing to it be like, You also specifically want people to know that you made this movie.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I was actually thinking that, like, obviously I would want his career for the money and the fame and stuff. But (laughs) I'm like, if I could have any director career, like, would I want this career? And there is an appeal to it because it looks like he could pretty much do whatever he wants and doesn't have to be, like, you know, I'm going the opposite side of the spectrum, right? Like, like a Wes Anderson. Like, people go into a Wes Anderson film expecting something very, very specific. Mm-hmm. Linklater could direct anything he wants, pretty much. And I don't think... I could be wrong. I'm not a Linklater scholar. But... I don't think there's these expectations. It seems like that's kind of fun. You know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah. It, funny enough, when we were talking about Brick and we were talking about Ryan Johnson, mm-hmm. it's the same thing that I see with Ryan Johnson at times, is that I love the movies he makes. And because I caught him at a time just when I was getting into the, I would like to be doing filmmaking as well. I like latched on to him as a mm-hmm. creator. Dazed and Confused is caught me at a time where like that wasn't a thing for me. It was just like movies are fun. And so I saw it, I liked it, and I never looked anything up about it. Like I didn't I didn't care to know who directed it or that he also wrote it or any of like the how did they do this and how did they do that? I was just like, this is just fun, man. I'm just having a good time here.
0: And there's like an awesomeness in that though, you know? Like I mean, trust me, I, I when I watch a movie, I like to look up the director. I like to just get that information overload. But I also miss the times you're talking about when I just watched a movie, you know? <laughs> yeah,
3: that's that's very true for me. Like, going back and watching it today, it did really feel like it was like, you know, it's hanging out with old friends because this is a movie that it, it makes me think of a time where it was like, I, I hate to put it this way because it makes it sound like it's a burden, a, a time where I could just watch a movie. <laughs> no, but
0: you're so right.
3: I'm the kind of person that I went and I saw 1917 in theaters and I had to actively stop myself from trying to find when it was that they would cut their shots. I was wow. like I was like, you're ruining it. The whole point is to make it feel like it's one long shot. Just just dive in.
0: <laughs> I get that though. <laughs> and I think though people who listen to podcasts like this appreciate that as well. I don't want to forget this quick detour because I, I, I made a promise to myself to ask you these questions. You brought up Ryan Johnson. Talked uh-huh. about him a lot on Brick. First of all, really quickly, Knives Out were you a fan?
3: I went and saw it three times in theaters. Mm,
0: So you, you know, I haven't seen it. So I hated it. (laughs) Imagine. (laughs) So, so staying true to to what you enjoy, cool. I was just curious. And now that we've had all these Skywalker films, you said that that would be the definitive one of this series. Do you still agree? Do I
3: agree that Last Jedi was, or that Rise of Skywalker was? Last what I said. Last Jedi. Uh, I. I think the way that I, I would describe Last Jedi at this point is as much as I consider Ryan Johnson the hipsters Hollywood director, <laughs> Last Jedi is the hipsters Star Wars movie. <laughs> because as much as I love it, I recognize that it is a movie that is very uncommon based on what I've seen with Rise of Skywalker and it is a type of movie that may possibly never happen again.
0: I mean, that's interesting. I was just very curious about your feedback on that. So, sorry guys for the quick (laughs) Ryan Johnson um, detour.
3: Now that we're off the Johnson Corner.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's get back to Dates and Confused, Linklater. As you said, he's the screenwriter too. Very personal project to him. Just in, in terms of this podcast was reading a lot of his quotes and like why he made this this film and he, he said in a lot of interviews that he tried to make a, a reverse John Hughes film or he's even called it an anti-John Hughes film and I definitely see where that is coming from and I pulled a quote from somewhere from him the drama is so low-key and days the confused I don't remember teenage being that dramatic I remember just trying to go with the flow socialize fit in and be cool the stakes were very low to get Aerosmith tickets or not, that's a big thing. It was really rare when the star-crossed lovers from the opposite sides of the tracks and the girl gets pregnant and there's a car crash and somebody dies. That really didn't happen much. But riding around and trying to look for something to do with the music cranked up, now that happened a lot. And it's so simple, <laughs> but it's so its so true. And I, I think that's what like pulls at my heartstrings in this film, because it just feels... It feels real. Don't get me wrong. I like that other kind of stuff too, but it's nice to see this, and I get why this is in so many top five or top tens of high school uh, films.
3: Yeah, the movie is probably the most authentic look there is at teenage life in high school, especially in an area, you know, they filmed this out in Austin, in an area where it's it's sort of like a, it's a suburb that's just a little ways from a larger city, so you you get that 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 mix of like uh metropolitan and 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 slight rural feel out of it. You know, comparing it to, to John Hughes and being saying you know he wanted to make an anti John Hughes movie, it it makes a lot of sense because. You look at something like Breakfast Club, where in twenty-four hours or even less—it was what, <laughs> like eight hours—in that that time yeah, span, yeah. <laughs> five people who would never have talked to each other are all now great friends. They've all made great strides in un- figuring out what it means to be a teenager in our times, and it's like, fuck you. You all would have <laughs> sat there in silence, and this movie is ultimately like. Yeah, in the matter of twenty four hours, no, none of us is gonna make a major life decision. We're all gonna go try and get drunk because school ended.
0: You imagine like Linklater's Breakfast Club, exactly how you said, people sitting in silence, you know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, generally... he would
3: he would have made he would have made the art the artur version <laughs> that is just a silent film of five teenagers sitting there, like one's doing their homework, one's staring at the wall.
0: <laughs> the end it's so true oh it, again it's, it's such a breath of fresh air even now like that was one thing I kind of was afraid of too it was you know 93 maybe maybe it feeling a little again quote unquote dated or but it, it didn't you know like you said this could take place at any time in any decade it would look different but I think people's interactions with each other would be very similar yeah
4: and
3: I think the authenticity, not only just stems from the low stakes of of what he he set out for the characters but it also it comes a lot from on the background side this movie was I'm gonna go ahead and say maybe at least 50 percent improvised being the fact that this was like his second film he ever made Linklater was legitimately asking the actors like uh how do you guys feel about that how do you feel about that take do you think that's do you think that's what your character would do? Why don't we try one and you know give me give me what you think you would say, and they would just run with it. And that's that's part of the reason as to why Matthew McConaughey is such a big part of oh. the movie, <laughs> is because he was like he was like this dude was a dynamo and I had to let him get more.
0: That's like so refreshing and so awesome. I'm not someone who believes in one like way of doing things when it comes to filmmaking, but it's it's always great to hear when you hear something like that, you know, especially in a film like this, like. I know this is not definitely not like quote unquote like mumblecore, Mm -hmm. but it certainly like mumblecore has its roots and stuff like this. I love it. And okay, and you brought up McConaughey. What a cast, especially for like most of these people not really being well known names.
3: Literally, I think the only people that had been in movies before this were Adam Goldberg and maybe it was it Jason London that was in this one. Yeah, I can never get him and his brother right.
0: Oh, I, I'm with you on that. No, but it is <laughs> Jason London plays Pink Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's funny to say this because, again, you got, like, Ben Affleck and freaking Matthew McConaughey, but they don't feel like that in a sense. They do because they've been, like, memed and, and you know, like, uh, we've seen the clips and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. th- he was able to get such a realness out of everyone on camera uh, I'm just going to run through the cast because we can't, like, really, you know, dive into everyone because it's such a big cast. It's such an ensemble and so many of them are, like, names and some aren't, you know. Jason London, Wiley Wiggins played Mitch, Rory Cochran, uh, who I know, Ben Ben Affleck, as we mentioned, uh, Adam Goldberg, who you said, Anthony Rapp, Marisa right. Ruggisi. Rapp was the other one I was thinking of. Uh, and, and McConaughey. Again, you have, like, Cole Hauser. Who else? Oh, Parker Posey? I'm trying to
3: like... Uh, first movie for Mila Jovovich as oh, well.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And I know I, I read like Renee Zellweger is in like a non-speaking role. I honestly didn't see her, so... I, don't know I if... did not know that. Yeah, that uh, it's like an uncredited role. Supposedly she was up for another role and they just let her hang around set. But still, like, that's, <laughs> that's crazy to think about. Oh, man.
3: All right. I don't know if
0: you notice this, but a lot of these people go on to make movies... With each other later.
3: Yeah, I had seen a lot of stuff that was that was talking about like here's all the people from Days to Confuse that showed up in other Linklater movies and all that kind of like or Adam Goldberg put a bunch of them in the movies that he directed as well. Yeah,
0: I mean, so you have to imagine that that set was pretty awesome.
3: It apparently was just summer camp.
0: Well, so what? It, from the from the back, behind the
3: scenes documentary, the way they described it was for the actors, it was summer camp. They all came down to either from from L.A. to Austin or. Uh, people like Wiley Wiggins and one of the other uh, younger actresses—they were just kids from Austin. Crazy that they like they they found on like the sidewalk and were like, "Hey, you want to be in a movie?" He's like, "Okay." <laughs> oh, um, so cool. Just so, so cool. it was like they just they set out a whole summer and they all they all filmed this movie. So like, they'd wake up in the hotel, go down, you'd meet up with your friends, you'd go to set. You know, you're doing a movie where you have just about as much creative control over how it goes as like the director does to the point where uh, Joey Lauren Adams and Parker Posey wrote their own scene together because they became, like, really good friends on set. And we're like, we don't have a scene together in the movie. And Linklater's like, all right, cool, yeah, let's do that. Ugh. I think it got cut from the final film, but he was, like, he was like, I loved it. I loved the idea of, like, they wanted a scene where they're like, can we have a conversation like, you know, girls do? Because girls don't always just talk about the boys they're dating. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, let's do that. And the other side of it was that from the production side, this film was sort of a nightmare because while Linklater was getting along great with the actors and he was doing really well, like, gelling with the the cast when it came to, to making it, he was fighting tooth and nail with the producers and the studio about everything because they didn't want to spend money. He was a young enough director that they didn't trust him. And when they suddenly were hearing that he's, like, essentially letting the cast direct their own <laughs> scenes, they were like, this is fucking stupid. We can't let this go on. <laughs> and so he even says, he's like, yeah, they'd, they'd come to set, and, like, we'd scream at each other, and then, like, one of the producers would leave. And one of the other producers like, yeah, I got a call from, I think it was, like, Sam or whatever the guy's name was. was like, he's like, yo, my hand's broken. I just punched a, a, a street light because I'm so goddamn mad right <laughs> now. He's like... All right, but at least you didn't punch punch Rick, so that's good. <laughs> I, he's like at the time he's like when I think back on it now I feel like it was such a great opportunity that I really should be you know I'm really appreciative of. He's like but at the time you know I'm a kid. I'm I'm high on my own supply because I I think you know I'm making I'm making movies now and the studios want them. So I'm, I'm all pissed off, like, the studio should be giving me freedom to make my vision, man.
0: <laughs> oh, man, what a life. Like... <laughs> I know. I got a question for you. Put yourself in the shoes of, like, one of the young actors, like, one of the Austin actors, like, a... we said his name before. Oh, w- Wiley Wiggins. Pretend you're Wiley Wiggins, right? Do you think that that experience, I mean, this is a really loaded question, but like that you would look back on and be like, that was awesome. I got to hang out with all these actors who became like stars and I had a great summer and I was just a kid off the street. Or do you think that ruins everything for you? Because you might think that every film is going to be like that.
3: I think it's, it is, it's 50 50 on it because i know <laughs> i know for a fact that after this big wiley wiggins went on and he graduated high school and he'd moved to la because he was like yeah man i was in dazed and confused i'm, go- I'm gonna be an actor i want to be an actor and the problem was was that pulling them off the streets and having them perform in this movie worked in this movie because there was a real authentic just kind of like innocence to the way that they would go about things and like you know his character is supposed to be kind of nervous so like mm-hmm. the weird line reads it, it works because like this is a fucking 14 year old who's getting to hang out with the coolest kids in school <laughs> it's not a thing that's going to work for him when he goes to LA and everybody is at the top of their game and they aren't getting work and so he, he even said like he moved out to LA he tried for a little bit he never really got anything and it when it got to the point that he was working at a, a post-production studio doing the title graphics for, like, the midnight softcore porn on HBO. Oh, jeez. He's like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to make it in L.A., man.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, because I think about that. I guess, like, like a guy like McConaughey was a little bit older, so he, he was uh, able to handle it, and obviously he worked his ass off on stuff.
3: Oh, yeah, and he's, you know, he's coming off of, uh, he was in film school at the time when he wound up mm-hmm. landing this role. So he's already got an idea about wanting to be in the business and now he's getting some hands-on experience and then he went back and he finished up. He's kind of already got an idea of how some of the business is going to work. You pull a 14-year-old kid off the street and tell him you're going to be in a movie and it's considered like a cultural touchstone after a <laughs> while. Yeah, man, that's that's going to fuck you up.
0: That's heavy. That's what I was thinking. I was, it was, it was like, that, that is heavy stuff. It's,
3: It's one of the things that like... It's why any time I hear a story about a child actor that didn't, like, fall into a cycle of, like, drugs and depression and stuff, I'm like, good, somebody told you early on that this is not going to probably last forever, and that this is not a world that is built to harbor children.
0: Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) I I didn't want to stray there, but you kind of confirmed exactly what I was thinking, you know? Oh, boy. So, regarding, like, the rest of the cast, um, we'll talk about scenes and favorite moments and all that other kind of stuff, but who really, like, on this watch, like, stuck out to you?
3: It's funny, is, is going back and watching it this time around, I think what, what I noticed a bit more was how much more you could tell that everybody was starting out as actors. I love, I love Parker Posey in a lot of the Christopher Guest stuff that she does, mm-hmm. and I feel like... This is one of those movies where I was watching. I'm like she is not as good in this as she is in those other ones. And it's because you could tell it's like, you know, get it granted with with Christopher Guest. it's legitimately improv filmmaking. Mm-hmm. so you you could tell that maybe she's a bit more comfortable because she's able to have even more say over what she's doing. But at this role, it just it really had a feeling of like this is maybe the the second time you've ever professionally acted and you're giving it your all, but that's really not what you need to do. <laughs> like the whole scene with the the, the cheerleaders hazing the uh, the new freshman girls it's it's weird because it's also it is authentic enough to feel like you know wouldn't the bitchy soon to be senior high school girl go over the top because she thinks that she's scaring these kids like maybe but at the same time as you're watching it, you're also like oh, you are you are at a 12 when I don't know if that's really what this calls for. Through every viewing, though, I think there's never a point where McConaughey isn't the standout, Mm -mm. and I, honestly, I love Rory Cochran in this movie. I think the funny thing is, is that out of anything a lot of people remember, they remember McConaughey, but they remember Rory because of the fact that he became, like, the quintessential 90s image of this is what a stoner is.
0: (laughs) One of the things that scared me on this watch, like, or before I saw it, was I was afraid things would fall, like too much into stereotypes like that. I had maybe like glorified the film a little too much, Mm -hmm. Um, especially like with how many times have we seen stoner kids and things, you know, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's become an archetype.
3: Uh, Kevin Smith built his entire career on it. (laughs)
0: Good point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, you hit the nail on the head with that. And, you know, I was kind of expecting that stoner crew to just be like, you know, just full of stereotypes. And I, I was thinking I was gonna be like, Oh, maybe they invented the stereotypes, but no, I mean, he especially was so fucking awesome, <laughs> like, you know? Oh, yeah. If, if there's ever a point where I decide that,
3: you know, I'm, I'm insane enough to try and be an actor and I have to do a monologue for something, I want to do his George Washington is in an alien cult monologue <laughs> because it is the most baffling thing to listen to.
4: Watch them fly.
1: You guys know what that song's about? It's about aliens. We're the aliens, man. We're the savages. We're the savages. Wait, man, that song's about that. Yeah, man, that song's about that. about about aliens. Yeah, man. You didn't know that? This country is founded. It was founded by people who were in the aliens, man. George Washington, man, he was in a cult. And the cult was in the aliens, man. You didn't know that? No. Oh man, they were way into that type of stuff, man. Weed, Absolutely George Tote Weed. Are you kidding me, man? He grew fields of that stuff, yeah, man. That's what I'm talking man. about. He, fields. He grew that shit up not Mount Vernon, man. Mount Vernon, <laughs> man, he grew it all over the country, man. He had people growing it all over the country, you know? The whole country back then was getting hot, let me tell you, man. Because cause, cause he knew. He was on to something, man. He knew that it would be a good cash crop for the southern states, man. And so he grew fields of it, man. But you know what? Behind every good man, there's a woman. And that woman was Martha Washington, man. And every day George would come home, she'd have a big fat bull waiting for him, man. When he come in the door, man, she was a hip, a hip, hip lady, man. And she she was real cool too. She'd harvest the crops, man. That's what I'm talking about. She'd put in the in the um bushels and stuff and sell it, you know, because they had to you know make ends meet and stuff. I mean, they it, what? Did you ever look at a dollar bill, man? There's some spooky stuff going on on a dollar bill, man. Yeah. I mean, and it's green too.
0: But it's so good. It's so, yeah, exactly. I, I think like a lesser performance would have made something like that fall into, um, you know, the background noise of, of even the music or what's going on. But I find myself like paying attention to everything he's saying. I thought it was awesome.
3: One of the things that, especially with him, but it, it was true with a lot of them. Apparently, when they they did uh, pre production. Link later decided he he was going to send a packet to all of the the main actors that was essentially a this is your character and it was a, a small breakdown about concepts of the character and what they think and ha- you know what they feel and where they are in their life but he also sent all of the mixtapes of mm. this is the music your character listens to God it's it's so fun. it's yeah and it's one of those things where I'm like <laughs> that's great this is this is legitimately like filming a live action role play at this point. Oh. And and he was saying he was like, Rory Cochran got off the plane and I met with him. One of the first things that he says to me is he goes, you know, I was thinking like one of the things I really want to put into my character is like he never really has a lot that he says that is intelligible or that you could really fully grasp what he's talking about. So I I want to just have him adding in every so often like that's what I'm talking about to people. Because it's, it's ultimately, he's he's glomming onto the idea of, I need other people to make statements that also are what I'm thinking, because people don't know what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so great. That is so great. You know, I, I love hearing that stuff. Like, the more I hear about the production of this movie, the more excited I get, and honestly, frankly, jealous of, like, L- Linklater's... Uh, sounds so. I know he was arguing with, you know, his, his higher-ups, but it sounds like such a cool experience.
3: Yeah, and I mean, honestly, we've heard millions of stories about directors and producers fighting over movies. I think the sad truth of it is, is that his movie fell in a time where, number one, the budget wasn't all that high. They are not going to really hurt too bad if this movie doesn't do well, mm-hmm. but they always want to make money. It's what they're going to do. Secondly, it was still a time where the companies were not so invested in the we need to make a billion dollars off of this (sighs) yeah you know if if this movie was getting made today and they were having the same sort of production issues or the same sort of doubt that they were when he made this they would have kicked him off and they would have brought in a new director because at that point the studio would have it's star wars with solo the studio (laughs) would have gone you know what we really don't agree with the way you're making the movie. So we're gonna bring in someone who's gonna do what we want.
0: Absolutely, unless it was one of these like studios who just like know they're losing money.
3: True. <laughs> or it's or it's it's maybe I don't know like Fox Searchlight. Yeah, like, or like like, like one of the one of the you know, like, yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> some of the few bastions. Actually, you know what? It'd probably be M Legion.
0: Yeah, these people always complain that they're losing money, so you don't get too much like yeah, exactly <laughs> of that. Oh, but it, it just again, it just sounds like so cool, just like the football team. <laughs> That they're, like, talking about in terms of, like, this sounds like there's so much, like, cool calling things on the fly. Did you read about that one actor, um, oh, Shane Andrews? He was supposed to have, like, Kevin Pickford was his character. He was supposed to have, like, a really big role, and he just could not get along with anyone. Apparently he came to blows to Jason London as well. So, like, that's why McConaughey, like, replaces him in a lot of scenes. Dialogue oh, no, one. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, can't describe him. Like, if you look him up quickly, you'd see, oh, he's that guy. He's in almost every scene, but he ends up having very little lines. And when they originally wrote the script and they hired him, he was supposed to be, like, one of the keystone guys of the clique here. That's why um, he dates uh, Mila jolovich Sorry, (laughs) Um, And she was supposed to have a lot more lines too, because they were supposed to have like a side storyline. But because he was such like a, apparently like a dick on set, they had to kind of write him off and not write him off, but just feature him less. And add add McConaughey to scenes that he was not normally supposed to be in. He was supposed to just be in apparently like, you know, hanging out here and there. But like, for example, the, one of the later scenes that football when they're on the football field, mcconaughey was never supposed to be there
3: oh okay i had to find out. for some reason the name pickford just wasn't registering mm-hmm. and i was just like i don't remember who this is and now that i I've, i finally looked it up i was like oh yeah okay and and i get it
0: <laughs> <laughs> talk about like grabbing you know like the proverbial brass ring in this situation for like mcconaughey and I love it, but we you and I both know that like this really doesn't exist on most film sets. Where No, no, not just, at all. You could just like outshine someone and they'll change everything for you. So, I mean, I love I, it.
3: I literally think the only other time that comes to mind where that happened was the first season of Breaking Bad because they initially had planned that Jesse Pinkman was going to die at the end of the first season. <laughs> I and, didn't know that. and then wow. the movie, the show was going to go on, it was going to be about Walt but Vince Gilligan, he loved Aaron Paul so much and he loved what he did with the character that he changed it and was like, no, 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 we're going to have him survive and he's going to he's going to go on. And he winds up being one of the biggest breakouts from that show and like one of the biggest characters
0: in it. Absolutely. And, but like even that, that's TV. You have the time to do that. You know?
3: True. And, and uh, yeah, it's this is on a movie set where he's already not getting enough days to shoot that he wanted, and the studio doesn't like the fact that he's doing things on the fly, so he decides, you know what I'm gonna do?
0: I'm just gonna write more scenes for this actor. It's awesome, and I get like why a guy like who you said in film school McConaughey um, was able to eventually win an Academy Award. Because like on his one of his first filming experiences, he just outworked another actor And just essentially prove that hard work and chemistry will get you. Like, you know, like it reaffirmed him. I feel like like this. is just. Oh, yeah.
3: It's 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 one of those weird moments where it's it's just like he came out and he was like, all right, man. You know, they gave me this small role. I've got maybe three scenes, maybe five to ten lines at most. I'm aiming for the fences on it and I'm going to see what happens. And to have someone be like, wow, (laughs) I really like watching you be this character. I need to watch you be this character even more than I already am.
0: It's an actor's dream. Like I, I know you know friends of mine who are actors like go into, quote unquote, small roles, thinking that because you know you kind of have to have that mindset. But let's be honest, you know you're not gonna you know be in a Shakespearean play and they're gonna change things <laughs> for that be- because you're you know outshining someone. So I, I just love hearing about it. I'm like excited. Like it's so rare and. A meritocracy does not exist in acting on set. So this is just so great to hear.
4: Yeah,
3: you were right. It is such a perfect storm of having these sorts of things happen. And I think part of it comes from it's a young director who's willing to experiment. And he's willing to work. You know, he's, he's legitimately following the art of collaboration mindset for filmmaking. It is also because you have an entire cast of people who have no egos to them at all. Mm. Except for maybe one, apparently. But, like, <laughs> everybody is coming into this just like, man, we are lucky as shit to have this job. We are so excited to be here. We are looking forward to doing what we like doing. The guy we're working with seems cool. He seems like he's having a good time. Like, everything just turned into this this wonderful, like, amalgamation of just, like, good vibes, you know? It's, it is a thing that I think you could just feel from the movie itself. It's this, this wonderful concept of just when you can tell somebody is enjoying what they do, you
0: enjoy them doing it. That's like the dream, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's everything I want to see in art. And again, we know of films, I'm sure we can rattle them off, where like apparently the production was hell and it turned out, like on every level, and it turned out to be a masterpiece that people enjoyed. That happens too. But this is, like, the preferred thing, you know?
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Speaking on that concept, this is, like, the polar opposite of, say, Blade Runner, where it was, like, everything was going wrong. Everybody was miserable. Everyone was, like, completely uncertain as to what this was even going to turn out to be. Nobody even liked it when it came out. But as time went on, everyone was like, wow, this movie is actually really genius. And Daisy Confused was like, everybody was having a great time. Maybe (laughs) things didn't go exactly the way they planned, but everyone rolled with the punches. Everyone walked away saying this was probably the best experience they ever had making a movie. It comes out. People enjoy it. It doesn't blow up, but people enjoy it. And it also goes on to becoming a cultural phenomenon.
0: To the point... You mentioned cultural phenomenon. To the point that I didn't even realize, like, so many things that people say, or at least when I was growing up, come from this film... And it was just weird. Not, not like Ace Ventura lines. I'm not saying that. But, but like, there's so much of this film that I just, I guess I just absorbed that I didn't even remember oh, yeah. came from here. And then watching it today, I'm like, oh shit, that's where that came from. Even back to Rory Cochran's thing about, you know, George Washington growing hemp and stuff. Like, I remember people saying these facts when I was growing up, like they were facts, like they looked them up. And now I realize like... Most of them came from Rory Cochran rants in this film, yeah. which is crazy.
3: Oh, yeah. And that's that's the other side of it with McConaughey. It's like, it's mm. so. I feel so bad in the fact that he's like the only fucking person I'm talking about in this movie. But that's ultimately what this movie has been for the past 27 years. Has been like, by the way, this was the jumping off point for Matthew McConaughey. Every so often, I'll throw into somebody just like, uh,. You know, yes they do, for Mm -hmm. no reason. And it's not even like, I'm not quoting the movie, it's just I use that quote as a statement I am making about
0: a thing. 100%. Like I said, I hadn't seen this movie in years, and there are stuff I say from this film that I did not realize was from this film. Back to the soundtrack quick. I think maybe if someone just, just an idea I had, that if someone was just watching this movie and knew nothing about it, they might say... Wow, this soundtrack is a little too on the nose. These are all the songs that I've ever seen or heard about in teen films. But the reason that they think that is this is the film that did it for that generation.
3: Oh, yeah. And that's, that's true. It's that this is a movie that if someone was like, if I was going to make a movie about the 70s, I would totally use these songs from the 70s. It's like Aerosmith. Yeah. They're Opening up with Sweet Emotion. You're like, yep. It's like, all right, so you're taking all of, like, the top 40 hits from a certain time and being like, these are all going to be in the movie. Which, funny enough, is it's the opposite of, like, Tarantino. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tarantino loves his deep tracks. But it's still a feeling that this is a movie that feels like the poster board made 70s movie. They're wearing bell bottoms. They're listening to Aerosmith. Everyone's smoking weed. (laughs) And then you look at, you know, something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The songs are ones, maybe you recognize one or two of them, but a lot of them you don't. And it's it's this wonderful kind of like backstage look at what we all assumed the 60s were. Mm-hmm. Whereas Daisy Confuses is very much the, the 70s we've been portraying to you forever. And I honestly, it makes me wonder, besides like say that 70s show, I think this movie was the thing that portrayed the 70s to me for the longest time.
0: No, I agree with that, right? Like, I talk a lot on this show about, like, revivals. You know, the 50s got popular in a certain era, and everything was about the 50s. The 80s got popular, and we all remember that, you know? The 70s got popular around when this film came out. You start to see a lot of other stuff based in the 70s, eventually, again, leading to that 70s show. There's something about this that doesn't feel parody, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's so mainstream with the songs and the way they're dressing. Even that uh, back of the VHS that I was reading, it's so like the front page as opposed to the back catalog.
3: I will say it It has this feeling that everything feels so... It feels so cliche with the soundtrack, but because the movie has such this genuinely authentic feel of a story and of character you don't get that sense that it's, like, a hacky 70s movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I I guess you're right. Like, it hits that perfect balance where you could have that. Because, honestly, people were listening more likely to the tracks in this movie than the tracks in a Tarantino film.
3: Yeah, And and that's the side of it, is that it's Tarantino picks his soundtrack because this is stuff that he likes or because he likes the idea of, like, yeah, man, nobody was listening to Roy Orbison back then, man. <laughs> it's true. But you then go to this movie, and it's it feels like it's another thing with like Linklater just being like, Yeah, dude, people loved Aerosmith. You're telling me people didn't listen to Aerosmith?
0: They certainly did. Yeah, because you know, odds are if we know them, that's because they were popular then.
3: Yeah. It's you pick a song that people are going to recognize because you're evoking a time period. You're also trying to connect that time period to people who may not know it. So you pick a song... Like sweet emotion, you know sweet emotion. You've heard it before. You know who uh, Aerosmith is. This is the time that that song came out. You're going to enjoy that song because you already know it. But it's also going to embed you into the period of time I'm presenting to you.
0: Oh yeah, again, it does it so well. So, are there any um scenes that stick out at you? This is a weird film to have a. Uh... Talk about scenes. It's
3: funny because it feels like the movie is just vignettes (laughs) all over the place.
0: Absolutely.
3: I still think, (laughs) because it has been parodied before, I still have such a love for the no more Mr. Nice Mm. Guy moment with them paddling Mitch.
0: Absolutely.
3: Just because, again, it's another thing where it's like, it's so on the nose, but it just, it doesn't feel, like, forced in that sense. You know what, I think that might be what it is, is that, is that Link later treated the soundtrack as being like a, it's another thing that's kind of telling you the story. So yes, I am playing no more Mr. Nice Guy <laughs> while a kid is getting hazed. <laughs> um, I, I like that one. Oh, yeah. The scene at the drive-up restaurant, McConaughey starts hitting on the, the redhead, the nerd oh, so characters. Good. it's one of my favorites
1: I can't believe I'm doing this I swear to God I'd never come to a top notch and here I am sorting through jalapeno burgers and soggy fries here take them
2: alright alright alright
1: oh Christ how
2: you doing? pretty good cool you heard about the party being busted right? oh yeah. Uh, yeah not to worry there's a new fiesta in the making as we speak it's out at the Moon Tower. Full kegs. Everybody's gonna be there. You ought to go. Okay. Okay, we'll be there. Okay. Say so you need a ride?
4: Uh, no, I got my own car. Thanks.
2: Yeah, well, listen, you ought to ditch the two geeks you're in the car with now and get in with us, but that's alright. We'll worry about that later. I will see you there. Alright? Bye. I love those redheads, man. I know you. <laughs> We had geography together,
1: remember? Oh, great. Oh. What a dick. It was so creepy. Uh. Oh, why are you smiling? I thought he was cute. Well, oh, that's disgusting. You thought he was cute? <laughs> Do you realize when he graduated we were like three years old?
2: Oh, Cynthia, what are you thinking? Oh. I don't know. Oh. So we're we gonna still go? yeah what
3: the hell i guess is again it's this feeling of just being so authentic in the performances it's like oh you know this is the first time someone considered cool has hit on her so she has no idea how to react but also we recognize that he's kind of an idiot it's like (laughs) hey you need a ride like no i'm I'm driving my own car
0: right (laughs) right (laughs) it's so true um we're moving around, right? But we go to that, like, top-notch burgers place a couple times in this yeah. film. And that's and, I,
3: that's another thing that I like about it is it just – it sets up this sense of, like, yeah, where were the places the teenagers were going to hang out? It's at the burger place. You know, it's – they're all hanging out at the Little League game uh, <laughs> because – what the hell else are they going to do, man? They're going to sit there and they're going to they're gonna go tease a bunch of kids who are coming into high school next year uh, while they're playing baseball. Um, <laughs> they're going to, you know, at the end of the night after they, they finish having a party out in the woods, you know, they're going to then go running off and hanging out at the football field at four in the morning.
0: It exactly feels like something a high schooler would do, though. You're not going to get these ground settings. And I know this isn't also, like, a can't hardly wait where they're in, like, the same house the entire time.
3: And I think, in all honesty if they had done that, if the party at the house had happened, mm-hmm. I don't think this movie would have been as good as it is. That sense of wandering throughout town throughout the night, that is really what sets it apart. If they had all just been like at the house, having drinks, somebody's in this room having this conversation, somebody's in that <laughs> room having that conversation, like it really would have gotten boring. But it's it's that, that wanderlust of like, got to find something to do. We're not going to sit around watching TV and technology is at a point where we don't have the ability to just disappear into a computer. So we're going to turn music up. We're going to go find somewhere to hang out. And um, we're going to work at making sure we have a kegger.
0: I I wrote this note down because I was fascinated by this. Just again, because all the movies I watch on this podcast, that whole element was important, but it wasn't like, how can I put it? I see so many films where there's like a quest and it has to happen. And there's this big speech. It's like, no, we need to get the beer, you know, or, or we need to do this. And they they make it bigger than it is. And I'm not criticizing these films at all. I just loved how we kind of rolled into this. You know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah. Anybody else who decided that this was the movie they were going to make, it would have turned into like the zany comedy where it's like, we got to find a keg. So now two of, the, two of them are going to go steal a keg from something or other, and it goes wrong, and they're falling into the pool behind somebody's house or something, <laughs> and it's like, all right, now you guys, you have to go find, like, uh, uh, sound equipment, and, like, they're breaking into the school to get into the AV room, and it's like, no, man, like, the party just kind of appears in the background, because, like, Yeah, man, somebody had a connection. They got beer. We're all going to go hang out in this field. That's it.
0: Exactly. Like, suddenly we're there. It doesn't feel jarring, but it's just like, oh, we're along for the ride.
3: Yeah, the event isn't what's important. Yeah, they wanted to have a party. Yeah, the party fell through. Yeah, they're going to try and have another party. But this is not, you know, this isn't Revenge of the Nerds. This isn't American Pie. (laughs) This specific event in their life is not important. It's just, yeah, man. It's going to happen. We'll do it. And then we're also just going to kind of hang out and have a good time as we go along. We're going to throw trash cans at mailboxes and have a dude fire a gun at
0: us. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I forgot about that vignette. You ever knocked down a a mailbox or two back in your day? Uh,
3: I never knocked down a mailbox. I know every so often I had friends who they liked the the idea of not so much like throwing the trash can at things, but just like. (laughs) driving up next to it, and they'd, like, grab it and, like, drag it down the street a little ways, so it's just, like, inconveniently (laughs) far away from your house now. Um, We never really got into anything that was, like, ridiculous vandalism, and I think it's because we were at an age where you always did have, like, a house you could go to, Mm. rather than, like, we're gonna be out and about until, like, three in the morning, just finding trouble to get into.
0: So, I really wasn't, like, like that at all until my senior year I'm and you're not sitting me on the couch and like this is not therapy session now but I didn't have a family that really supported the arts or anything like that hmm, um I always wanted to tell me more about that <laughs> I always wanted to do these things but just like I just never was pushed and it was kind of frowned upon it's like how is that gonna make money kind of thing um <laughs> but I was really convinced my senior year to join the high school improv team
3: Ooh, did you guys have a really dumb improv team name
0: no, we were just called the improv team, thank God. Ah. Oh,
3: <laughs> th- then, then how could you guys even truly be improv?
0: Well, we didn't use any uppercase letters. We were the improv team with a lowercase i, so...
3: Ooh, was it a lowercase i and a period at the end?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I gotta check that. Right. Hey, someone on my improv team ended up making SNL for one season, so... Booyah. Well, good for them.
3: <laughs> Where's their second season? Well, they got fired, but whatever... <laughs> You know what? Pete Davidson didn't, so they had to fuck up.
0: I heard they didn't get along with Pete Davidson, but that's another story. That's gossip we're not going to talk about.
3: I, truth be told, I'm not surprised. I feel like Pete Davidson would be a really difficult person to get along with.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine getting along with him either. <laughs> Regardless, so I was really convinced to go out for this improv team. I made the team, and I was one of the only seniors, and they made me captain. This is not like a braggy-braggy session. But like we would have these improv practices, and for me, compared to like I did cross country and I you know I I did running, so which is the opposite of anything.
3: Oh, geez, funny and sporty brag. (laughs) No,
0: yeah, but it wasn't like (laughs) running is the least creative of the sports. (laughs) Let's be honest, you know, there is no creativity when it comes to cross country running, especially maybe cross country because you're running in fields and stuff like. Because sometimes
3: there's a rock.
0: (laughs) Yeah. exactly (laughs) so we would have these practices and our improv coach would really like push the envelope and we'd do these things even today i'm like oh that was amazing he just let us like two hours we had to be a character in the library and we couldn't break but we'd be so wound up after practice that we just wouldn't know what to do with ourselves so it started out in the season of just like orgy right yes an orgy exactly (laughs) yeah and and that's where this story goes, really. Everyone was involved, and that's it. And, that's all I wanted to talk about. Yeah, this whole my whole podcast was geared towards me bragging about that. No, <laughs> no it started out with we would just drive our cars, and you know the flags in the mailboxes. Like, yes. We would, we would just try to put them up. You know. <laughs> okay. Then it was like, oh, let's get a stick and hit the mailboxes. Like, not oh to, no, not to break them. You know, just like let's see how many we could hit if we do this, do that. Eventually, like towards the end of the year. We had baseball bats. We, had mail. We had, mailbox- oh. Oh, we had no. mailboxes. We specifically, like you know, I, I was a driver, so I wasn't destroying, but I was obviously an enabler.
3: Well, here's the sad <laughs> thing about that, Brian. Cops don't care.
0: <laughs> no, they don't. No, they don't. So there was this mailbox that we really hated. I forgot what it was even of, but you know, people we really hated. <laughs> <laughs> people in the suburbs, they make mailboxes of like things. You know, like my mailbox. Oh, trust is an me, elephant. I know.
3: I've. I've met the people who have, like, the dog or the barn house. Yes,
0: exactly. And I forgot what it even looked like. And we're like, we're going to get that mailbox. And it's like, we did it. I swear, like, four cop cars eventually pulled me over. Luckily, the guy in the car, like, disposed the bat, so we didn't have the weapon, as they were calling it. Mm -hmm. But what fucked me over, we all got taken to the police station. And again, I was a kid who would never got in trouble. What fucked me over was I was driving my mom's car, and it was a lease, and the dealership forgot to send us the new registration. Oh, it, boy. It was 12.05 of when the registration expired. Five minutes after, and they impounded the car. Oh, Jesus. We, had, we all had to go down to the police station. It wasn't too bad. We didn't get into too much trouble, except the guy who actually destroyed the mailbox had to do community service for a while, and he had to apologize to everyone whose mailbox was destroyed. Just, yeah. And the, the one person who, like with the mailbox he hated refused to accept his apology. So he was in like, I think perpetual community service until they wrote like a letter of forgiveness to the police. So oh, I am... Jesus. <laughs> the silliness of living in the suburbs, but whatever. I am only talking about that because like, I literally had not thought about that until I saw this happen in this film. And I'm like, Oh shit. Why was I doing that dumb stuff? And it's just, it's, I could be doing worse. I could be like robbing banks and dealing drugs or something, but well,
3: I was going to say, at least you didn't put a bowling ball through the window (laughs) of somebody's car. Oh, my God. Like, if somebody wound up, like, breaking my mailbox, like, yeah, that's kind of fucked up. I'm not going to be happy about it. But if they were like, hey, you know, I'm really sorry. It was a bad idea. We shouldn't have done that. Most I probably would have said is, like, great, man. Buy me a new mailbox and we're set. If somebody had put a bowling ball through the window of my car. Holy shit. I don't know if I would have pulled a gun on them, but I definitely would have beat a teenager.
0: <laughs> I also feel like the 70s was such a time where, like, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but like, people policed themselves a little bit more. Again, pulling a gun on someone is not great. <laughs> but now. Not recommended.
3: You... <laughs> Official stance of the podcast
0: not recommended. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but if you did that today, like, Dropped a like a kid dropped a bowling ball in someone's car and broke it like they're not going to college you know something yeah. really bad is happening to them but those are the great moments like you and I talked about brick. It's such a different film in terms of there were really distinct scenes in that film. There were really distinct moments we could point to. As we're talking about it here for, for Dace and Confused, it's not like that. It's just like, I couldn't even tell you what order these scenes happen that we're talking about.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: This whole movie
3: kind of lands with you because everything is so fluid. And the funny thing is, is outside of the actual, like, chronological order of, like, when they're at school, then after school, then later in the night, sort of a thing. So many of these scenes could happen in any damn order. And it wouldn't matter that the order that they happened, they'd all still be enjoyable.
0: Absolutely. No question about it to me. That's a really good point. It, and it's not even a complaint. Like, I could see in another movie where it's like, oh, it didn't even matter. Like, it doesn't matter that it's not building to something. Because it yeah. is building to something, like, in a way, but it's nothing that. I don't know. It's like, I can't put my finger on it, but obviously most people agree because most people love this film.
3: Yeah. It's funny is, is even when you look at it and you see like the getting almost like a nostalgic feeling for those moments back when you were in high school, when like, Mm -hmm. yeah, the most you had to worry about was where are we going to go to party after school ends? You then have that line at the end when uh, Pink says, like, you know, if if I ever get to a point where I I talk about looking back on these as the best years of my life, make sure to remind me to kill myself. (laughs) I loved it. And it's like, that's exactly how you feel at that point, too, is you're like, man, I don't want high school to be the best thing I ever went through. I want to achieve more. And as you get older and older, even if you do achieve more or maybe you don't you still look back on it because you're like, that was a time where I didn't have to give a shit about anything. Oh,
0: so good. So good. (laughs) Maybe that's why I started this podcast, because you're so right. (laughs) Yeah. A couple other uh, things I wanted to mention for sure in terms of just, like, scenes and stuff. For some reason on this watch, I noticed the, like, Anthony Rapp, Adam Goldberg crew more than I ever have. I'm not sure why. I mean, what did you think of that whole arc? Um, I think, yeah, it's one that sticks out a little more now
3: when I have the ability to look back and be like, man, that's probably a lot closer to what my night would have been compared to like anybody else's. Like, I'm not the one who's going out and like throwing shit at mailboxes, getting stoned while driving around in the car. Like, I'm I'm one of the three nerds. It's like, we got to find something to do while one of the others is like, fuck that, man. Let's just like go back to like my house. And it's. It's that feeling of like you want to have that one moment of like being the cool teenager that did something with other people, rather than like the you know hanging out with the same four people you do all the time. Yeah,
0: um, on this watch, like I was really connected with like Adam Goldberg's character in terms of just that. Like at the beginning of the film, like he's one of them that actually has some development. It's not again not big, but at the beginning of the film, him and his friends are talking and just, like, I don't know, they're super... liberals. a bad word, but you know what I mean. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, they want to be like ACLU lawyers and stuff. And as he progresses, he's like, I don't like those people that, you know, I want to represent, I don't know what I want to do. Like, I could definitely relate to that. And just the, the way he just... He almost has to get into a fight with that guy, if that makes sense. Like, he, he's... I know the guy yeah. picks on him, but, like, he's, like, riling himself up.
3: he's <laughs> Well, and I think the funny thing of it is, is that the moment when the, the dude starts giving him shit about like him, him making the comment of like, Oh, somebody's smoking weed. (laughs) This is like the kind of fucking thing that would happen to me is like at some point I would smart off in some dumb way for (laughs) no reason. And somebody's going to take offense to it. And it's not anything big. It's not important, but like one person who's going to decide they need to be a dick is gonna come over to me and be like, "Yeah, man, I'm smoking weed. Me and my friends are smoking weed. The fuck does it matter to you?" And I, I'd, I'd be in the same position. We're like, "Nothing, man. It doesn't matter anything. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to fucking get into a fight. Why are you?"
0: <laughs> Though is... I will
3: say, I will say, I don't know if I would have actually ever gone so far. Like, I probably would have talked a big game of like, "I should just go over there and like dump a beer <laughs> on his head and just punch him in the face for it." I never would have done it. I, I was, am, and probably always will be a huge coward when it comes to actually <laughs> con- confronting people.
0: <laughs> hey, at least you're honest about it. You know what? That's not a bad oh, yeah. thing. Because he got his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, true. Because it's also one of those things that, like, I think it's another thing that I like about this movie is they don't glorify the fact that he got into a fight or that he got his ass kicked. Like, it's not a, I finally was a man about something. It was like,
0: that was stupid. I was really fucking stupid. It's so refreshing. Again, I, and I want to be clear. I'm not like dissing the films that do do that because I love them. They're, on, you know, I have a podcast about them. But it's so refreshing to see a film that's like realistic, that where, you know. <sighs> They're, like, rationalizing it afterwards, like, yeah, no one remembers who lost the fight, you know? All yeah. These <laughs> great, all these great people got into fights. He's like, Jackson Pollock, and, you know, like...
3: <laughs> all these great people got into fights.
0: I forgot about that line. That's a good one. <laughs> no, it, it, again, it, it's, like, it's perfect, because, like, that's more of what really would happen in, in that situation. And even, like, as as you mentioned before, Cynthia's her name, but... Marissa Rub- Rubisi's character, the redhead, you know, yes, like h- how she's reacting to McConaughey hitting on her, and how like that's even like the thing that puts him over the top to go to the party, and it's not like a mission, like oh, I need to do this, oh, I need, it's just like, oh, that made yeah, me feel it's, good.
3: <laughs> it's that, it's also that feeling of like, you know, she she wants to be there because like, hey, you know, we actually got invited to this mm-hmm. thing, like somebody told us you guys should go but I think it's also interesting in the fact that it's like, you also see that like Adam Goldberg walks into it already being kind of pissed off because McConaughey technically only invited her. <laughs> yeah. He, like he even was like, yeah, you should probably ditch your two nerd friends and ride with us, but you know, it's whatever, man, we'll deal with it later. And it's like, <laughs> that's a man who literally just told me to my face. I'm going to make your friend abandon you so we can have sex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah. And, uh, Anthony Rapp, too, like, he has that interaction with the uh, freshman, or, like, soon-to-be freshman, and they have their, like, little moment, too, where I, I think it's so weird and so interesting that, like, Linklater's able to create a lot of characters that, as we said, like, not much progression happens, but I can still care about what's happening to them. Like, I'm not ignoring them as peripheral things, you know? I'm like, oh, he met her before. This is interesting. And if you added up their screen time, it's not that much. But I don't know what, like, I still, I don't care enough where it's, like, affecting how I feel about the movie, but I care enough to pay attention and and have a vested interest in what's going on. I think that's, like, so genius.
3: Oh, yeah. All right. I have a question specifically for you, though, Brian. Mm -hmm. Watching this movie, there's a specific moment for me. You may know what I'm talking about, but I want to see what, what your answer will be. While watching this movie, thinking back to high school and especially watching this movie and seeing the way high schoolers interact with each other, was there anything that watching as an adult you suddenly felt very either uncomfortable or very just like, oh no, about outside of, well, I mean, I'll (laughs) say the obvious one will probably be like the, the hazing.
0: Well, the hazing. Uh, there's two obvious ones that I don't think you're talking about, and I'm curious to see what you're talking about because I'm okay. sure once you say it, I'm going to get it. But the two obvious ones are yes, the hazing because like I didn't. I think by the time that we were in high school, that would be incredibly frowned upon. You know? Oh yeah. Uh, um. But obviously, also like McConaughey, the fact that he's a lot older than them and that he's like still going after. The young girls obviously he has that famous mm-hmm. line of high school girls staying the same age. Nice, man. <laughs> God, man of the woods, what's going on? God, I haven't seen you so long. My man, what has happened? Long
2: time? No see. That's <laughs> right. What you been up to? Same old shit, man. Yeah? Working for the city. Working man, huh? Been thinking about getting back in school though, man. Back in JC or something like that? Yeah, man. I mean, that's where all the girls are, right? Yes, on. <laughs> but on the other hand, man, I just Soon, keep working, keep a little change in my pocket. Yeah. Wait. Rather than spend my time listening to some dipshit who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about anyway. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so you're a freshman, right? Yeah. Well, so tell me, man, how's this year's crop of freshman chicks look? Would well, you gonna end up in jail sometime really <laughs> soon? I know that fact. But... No, man. Yeah. No, I tell you. Yeah. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older,
0: they stay the same age. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But also, just like when he asks, again, I can forget the character's name, but when he asks him, yeah, Mitch, he's like, "How's the freshman meet or something like that? Like, how's it coming up?" You know.
3: (laughs) That is that is partially uh, in line with what I'm I'm thinking of the scene in early on when they're still at school and mm-hmm. the cheerleaders are doing the hazing and they parade the one girl over to pink and his friends and essentially it's like you know ask him to marry you
0: yeah yeah
4: welcome to high school honey I you <laughs> you like
2: proposed to Mr. Dawson Will you marry me? Don't know. What's in it for me?
1: Anything you want? Anything? Any- go like this. Come on, come on in Do You spit or swallow. <laughs> 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 Whatever you like. Whatever I like? I would definitely marry you. It's so degrading. <laughs>
4: You're an asshole.
0: Yes, I am. Terrible, man.
1: Oh, boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just want you guys to know I feel for you now I did it when I was a freshman and you'll do it when you're senior. what you're doing good. now fry like bacon you little freshman piggies fry fry
3: and so then like I, I forget the other dude's name but the one friend was just like oh what, what's in it for me and she's like whatever you want and I'm like oh god this needs to stop now no I'm not okay, okay with this and then and then suddenly he's like all right well you know like you know make this face, do you spit or swallow? And I'm like, ugh. As a high schooler, I understand I would have thought that was funny. Now that I'm 30 years old, I'm like, she is a child and you're almost an adult. What are you doing?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. So, like, I, I think we were thinking along the same lines. Th- those parts were... It wasn't, like, cringe where like, oh, my God, I can't watch this movie kind of thing. But
3: Yeah, but it's, the, it's just, like, it's a quick moment where you're like, mm,
0: no, 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 no. The only thing I chalk that up to is just, like, I feel like that probably happened in the '70s. Like we have more of a concept of age now. Oh, that, hell,
3: that happened. <laughs> that happened in the '2000s when I was in high school.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad where we've come to now. I'm not saying oh those were the glory days,
3: <laughs> you know. Yeah, nothing. I mean, like I'll, that. I'll say I'll say for myself. When I was a senior, I wound up hooking up with a freshman girl. At that time, it didn't really register to me as like a weird thing. Mm-hmm. When I think back on it now, all I can think is like ooh that was a really terrible choice on your part. (laughs) You shouldn't have done that.
0: And you don't even like, if you look at a freshman today, like not that you would with those eyes, I'm not saying that. Of course. You're like, oh my God, like, I was, yeah. like, I, was that, even, I was, like, I was that, and I was, like, sexualizing people at that age, you know? Oh, yeah,
3: and <laughs> even at that point, being, like, you know, 20-something, like McConaughey was supposed to be, my my interest is not, hey, you know, how hot would you say these 14-year-olds
0: are? Oh, boy, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of that, but again, you yeah. watch almost every movie that I would say is, like, quote-unquote, like, a real film, you know, well, I'm not even gonna talk about Woody Allen films right now, but, like, <laughs> stuff like that, and... The, like, sexualization of people who are 18 and under, like teenagers, is so uncomfortable today. Like, if any one of your friends was like, oh, I think this 16-year-old's hot, you'd be like, what the hell is going on with you right now? But if you watch movies from the 70s, not that this is a movie from the 70s, that happens a lot. And it's like, whoa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, there's certain cultural shifts that I'm very happy have occurred, and, and, and that's one of them. That one's definitely for the better. Agreed. You're absolutely another, right.
3: Another solid stance for the podcast. <laughs> Stop talking about sexy
0: children. <laughs> so I wasn't so taken aback by it because I think that the accuracy of the world helped me not be okay with it, but just almost like. All right, it's that... you.
3: You understand where where it is in the story and the time frame that it's telling, but it's it's still just one of those moments where I'm like, oh please, please don't <laughs> do this. I don't. I get it, man. All right, 76, whatever. But just like no.
0: Like I don't think anyone, hopefully not, watches this movie and is like, oh, I want to be Matthew McConaughey's character.
3: Oh, I, no. I, I hope not. <laughs> no, and I I hope not as well. Gross, but uh, it's. <laughs> It, it It is just, like, this interesting feeling where it's you, you come to kind of recognize that, like, nobody in this movie is really entirely a good person. No. <laughs> I guess that's another thing that adds into the authenticity is, like, I can't tell you one dude or, you know, anybody that I knew in high school who was 100%, like, clean as a whistle, never did anything bad. Like, as they even show with the, the, the nerd group in this. Like, even the kids I knew who were, like, super into, you know, they uh, they were, like, top of the class, they great in math, great in science, maybe not all that popular. They still stole alcohol from their parents and got drunk with their friends. <laughs>
0: You're right, you know. <laughs> a couple other things in my notes that I wanted to mention. I like the, uh, well... I guess it's related to what we're saying. I thought it was like the Ben Affleck character, it's hilarious that he got like left back and they imply that he did he did just to do this just so he can have another chance at like s- the whole spanking ritual.
3: That he, that he is so sadistic, he bombed <laughs> all of his classes just so he could hurt more people.
0: <laughs> and that's so like unrealistic, but like if I was a, you know, incoming freshman, I probably would have that kind of theory you know? I was gonna say and what I love about it is it's it's that urban
3: legend sort of thing that you could see a, in a lot of high school movies that they'll do but also like that sometimes happened in real life where it's like I heard that he failed all of his classes just so he could have another senior <laughs> year just so he could st- you know be be torturing more freshmen and you're like oh man that means he must be like a really bad person and you're like I mean yeah he is but I think he might also just be stupid
0: yeah, no, there's a, there's an easier explanation there. It's pretty clear, you know, when they end up uh, pranking him. The fact that, like, three or four, like, you know, incoming freshmen can outsmart him should just show you, <laughs> you know, probably his capacity there. We got another one, huh, fellas? Whoa, 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 guys, guys. You, you wouldn't mind if I went first there, would you? Is that all right? It's kind of a personal thing between me and this little piece of shit here. So... We meet again, huh? <laughs> Did y'all hear this little motherfucker's mom pulled a shotgun on me this afternoon? Fucking bitch. You, you haven't
2: had any licks yet, have you? Hmm? No.
0: Woo! Another cherry, boys. Wait, get the fuck off this wall. You know something, you have to be the dumbest,
1: fresh, skinny, little, god-sucker son of a bitch to be out here. You, know that?
0: you knew I was going to find you. I would like to dedicate this first lick To your mother, fucker. Not yet. (laughs) Oh, it's
1: getting warmer. What the fuck?
4: Remember me, you pig. Come Hurry on, up. come on. Hurry up, guys. It was beautiful! You should have seen the look on that fuck's face. Get in,
1: bastard. Come on. Jesus, that little fuck away! What is the matter with you? It's fucking pitiful! Fuck. Fresh shit is.
3: Well, and the other thing that I have to think, I've I've always called this the trope of the day after Stand by Me, <laughs> they they kind of get their they get their revenge by dumping a bunch of paint on him in front of like his entire class, mm-hmm. and and it's like oh you know they got him they got him back for what he did to them. It's like you know there's another day tomorrow. <laughs> you know this dude's gonna wash the paint off and be really pissed that you did this. Like you're so, you're so right. Your it's freshman like- year is gonna be terrible, man. Like, I'm sorry. That's not and worth I, I, it. It's, it's the same vein as like, yeah, you pulled a gun on Kiefer Sutherland and he didn't attack your friends today. But like, he actively told you he was going to get you back for this.
0: <laughs> oh, you're so right. Like, <laughs> that's a good comparison. That's so true. Speaking of the freshmen, the other like note I really wrote down is on this watch, I really noticed how, um, again, I don't remember their names. but I, Mitch. Literally beyond
3: name. beyond Mitch, I don't really remember the other two either.
0: Yeah, but, like Mitch and the girl. Mm-hmm. Not the girl He cuz he ends up being into like a sophomore, right? Yes.
3: So, no, yeah, the, the freshman girl I think is the one that winds up uh meeting up with with Anthony Rapp, right? Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. The two of them, I love how they're almost picked at random for this like quote unquote destiny.
3: Yeah, it's it it is just like right place, right time, mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, oh yeah, you know, just uh you were around when we were we were hanging around, you you seem kind of cool, like, you know, uh, let's hang out, and you're like, uh, okay, and the funny thing is, is I remember having sort of that feeling when I was a freshman, where, like, when I started in doing stuff for marching band, and then just having, like, a group of people who were older that, like, you know, came up, they're like, hey, what's going on, like, we talked for a little bit, it was just like, oh, cool, so I guess, I guess those are my friends now.
0: <laughs> is there a scarier thing to be labeled in life than a freshman? If you were labeled a freshman in whatever job you take next, like, I don't know, it's like, I, I hear freshman, I hear anxiety, you know, oh. if that's possible to hear anxiety.
3: The funny thing is, is I jokingly use the term freshman as an insult, like, um, <laughs> and it, every so often, like, if I'm out with my family or whatever, it's like, oh, you know, we're out to dinner, and dinner's winding down, and like, you know, are we ready to leave, and my sister will be like, well, you know, I, I've still, I've still got a glass of wine I gotta finish, I'm like, well, then chug it, freshman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what? I'm like really struggling to even think about how this movie ends. Like you said, just like the pledge he, with the coach and he doesn't want to sign the pledge.
3: Yeah, but. it's it's he doesn't want to sign the pledge. And then we get, you know, Mitch goes home. His mom's <laughs> weary of the idea that he's been out drinking with kids and he's like, ah, whatever. And he puts <laughs> on his headphones and uh, we're done. Maybe we all had a good time. Pretty much. Slow right? ride and roll them credits.
0: <laughs> so it's not like, let's tie this up. Like, I feel like when we were talking brick again, we were like, we got to tie this up because like, there's a whole story with a twist and a kicker here. And this might be the most opposite plot ever. No,
3: yeah, uh, this is this is so open. <laughs> like it's it is the quintessential slice of life movie that mm-hmm. like there isn't really a beginning. There isn't really an end. We just kind of get dropped in on a day in the life of and then we leave
0: absolutely so was there anything else you wanted to mention scenes or moments
3: i i don't think so actually i think this is a movie where i feel like you don't have to dissect everything in it and it's a movie where you know even even just a little bit of talking about it seems like it's a lot because
0: absolutely
3: and it, again it feels like you're insulting the movie by saying it but it's not but you're just you're like it's not a movie i feel like you have to discuss a whole lot about not because like it's bad or it wasn't well made it's just like Because you experience it through the film. The movie isn't all that deep, but it also doesn't need to be. And I think that's the genius of it, is that it's saying, look, man, teenage years of your life, they're not that difficult. You know, even if you thought they were, or they were confusing, or, like, everything to you was super dramatic, like, they're really not.
0: And and that's why it's so opposite John Hughes. Because John Hughes, what, like, he does, again, for better words, very problematic, but we're not going to get into it, John Hughes is like, yeah, those problems you have, I get what you're feeling. I know that they're not a lot, but for you it is a lot, and I get perspective. And this is kind of the opposite, where it's just like, yeah, no, they're not, Like as you're saying. <laughs> but it's great. I love multiple points of view. And if there's nothing else to say with this film, then I just have some usual... Oh, Oh, I do have some more notes that I looked up. The word man is said 203 times in the film. Hot damn. Which is awesome. That's great. (laughs) The top-notch burger place was also a place they visited in the film Varsity Blues, which we've covered on this podcast. Uh, Very different film, but that's interesting.
3: Varsity Blues, was that specifically in Texas? Yes, yeah. Yep, All right, that makes sense then.
0: Makes sense, yeah, for sure. There's actually a movie that came out around the same time. That I saw Matthew McConaughey in. So the other podcast I do on this network is P.S. I Love Hoffman. It's a Philip Seymour Hoffman podcast. Mm-hmm. And one of his early movies is a film called My Boyfriend's Back. And it's just like about a boyfriend who becomes a zombie. Uh, it's,
3: well, you know, I, you, you've already got me sold.
0: It's a camp movie, but it's actually like a lot. If you like camp early 90s stuff, it's fun and it's funny. But uh, Matthew McConaughey also appears... Because around the same time that they were shooting Days and Confused, they were also shooting this film. And it's almost the same story that, like, you know, he was at uh, Texas and, uh, you know, he was at a bar. It was, like, almost the same thing with the director of that film. Obviously, that film doesn't have the cultural impact that this film does. What? (laughs) But you know that you have something special and that's just happening to you. Yeah. So... Again, good for McConaughey. He'll come back in, in some of the other questions I have for you. Because I've been doing some o- different things on a podcast lately where I've been kind of giving awards in every movie. And if you don't have an answer for these, that's fine. But I've decided to give a, an award called the Wooderson Award because that was his character's name. That doesn't mm-hmm. just go for this film. That goes for all films I'm doing from now on. It's named after McConaughey for just the fact that he had a small role and he broke out and was able to, like, make that role something better. I think of it as, too, as... You ever watch a movie and you're like, oh, I kind of wish there was more of this guy in this film, or maybe if the film was even about that. Now, since it's called the Wooderson Award, obviously he would probably be the winner here, but is there anyone else who you saw like, hey, I wish we got more of this character in this film?
3: You know, I think the movie itself really kind of works in the balance Mm -hmm. that we get of everybody. I would hate to have anyone overstay their welcome, and have it be, because you know everyone always says like if I had to say there's a main character it would probably be Randall,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and I agree with that, and that's fine because I think I think the way the way Linklater said it is he's like he's the character I guess has the least funny lines so that makes him the main <laughs> character, but I would I would say I actually think he hit the perfect balance. Everybody had enough screen time that you 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 get who they are, you understand what they're like, you
0: enjoy seeing them there and then you're done. I figured that would be the answer because like, the award is named after the McConaughey character because Linklater actually gave him the direction to expand that role. In exactly. Most, in most movies, you don't see that. So, ironically, not a great award for this film, but a good award for other films, trust yeah, me. Yeah, I could
3: definitely see it down the road. Uh, funny enough, is the thing that I was thinking of is I was like... I do find it interesting that you're starting it now because if anything, I would have assumed it was the Spicoli Award.
0: So that was my alternate title. So, <laughs> yep, <laughs> you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I just haven't done that film yet, so that's <laughs> ah okay. Well, that's then he'll why... probably win that award. Oh, run away! <laughs> There's no question about that. <laughs> and at that point, it will be named the Wooderson Spicoli Award. So <laughs> we got yes, that. good. I love hyphens. <laughs> Next thing and I think it's going to have the same answer but maybe you'll you'll correct me is the long duck dong award. This is for a character we wish really wasn't in the movie that probably would be better if this character was completely il- eliminated.
3: Ooh. Yeah, no, they didn't have anybody like that in this. There was no there was no character that like every time they showed up I was like, "Jesus, no, not again with this one." <laughs> yeah it's this is a movie that it's tough to have those kinds of things with because it is it is such an anomaly in that fact you don't want more you don't want less you got what you got like if they told me there was going to be a sequel you know uh, of dazed and confused or that they made a sequel no don't do it (laughs) no way no way like i mean granted they're not going to do one now everybody's in like their fucking 40s it it would have to take place in like 2000 (laughs) but it's like (laughs) It's like, you know, I I, I don't think this is a movie that suffers from poor characters, bad character choices, or anything like that. Like, it it does seem to be one that gels well enough that you're like, everybody is where they need to be, and this is what the movie needed to be to be as good as it is. And it, it feels like such a cop out answer, no, but, but it's th- like th- I can't, I can't think of something.
0: This makes sense here. The other award I have, and you know, maybe you have an answer, maybe you don't, but is the Cameron Fry Award, and that's for just if someone, so f- famously, who's the wet blanket of the entire movie? <laughs> no, no, I mean that that could be true too. But what's his name? Why am I forgetting his name? The actor who plays Cameron Fry, he's thirty years old when he plays a high schooler. So Okay, so like who who doesn't fit their character yeah. age? Was there anyone in here who you were like either looked old or felt old or was like, okay, you know? We see it honestly, we see it a lot in films with like especially women who take their tops off. Thankfully, you know? Like oh, American yeah. American Pie has a lot of like older not older, but you know what I mean. Not Teenage women for that
3: Actresses that you're like, you're not in high school. You haven't been for a little while.
0: Exactly. Was there anyone who you felt here was a little out of place as a high schooler?
3: I would say the only person that I might give this award to, and I'm I'm not even sold on it, would be Anthony Rapp. And I think it's because I know that he was definitely older than high school age at this Mm -hmm. point. I think it's because he came at it with a stage actor's background that he's the only one that at times I would say it, I could ever point out as feeling actor You
0: hit the nail on the head. And not that he was bad, but it's... No. It's not, like... A lot of the other people are so natural, or even amateurs, you know? And he's definitely not. Like, you could tell he's been acting since he was, like, probably 10 on, like, Broadway. <laughs> so, yeah. So it makes so much sense. He was actually 22 when they shot... I, I read a note, it's funny, because is supposed to play like the older character, and there was a lot of people who were older than him on set, which is funny.
3: Yeah, that is, that is funny, actually. <laughs> he would have been 20, he also would have been 22.
0: Yeah, so him and Anthony Rapp are the same age, if you think about that. Can you guess who was the oldest of the main characters on set? Um...
3: I'm gonna swing for the fences. I'm gonna say Joey Lauren Adams.
0: You are not swinging for the fences. You are a hundred percent correct.
3: Fuck yeah! I think <laughs> it's only because she looked exactly the same in this as she did in Mallrats, which was like four years later. No, no, two years later. <laughs> yeah. It so that never far. mind. It's it, it, people don't age that much in two years. But like, I just remember in Mallrats being like, yeah, she definitely she she looks like she's in her twenties. Whereas in this, I'm like. She also could have taken that that award of like I don't think you're in high school.
0: Yeah, we'll give her the Cameron Fry award. That's uh, fine. Yeah, yeah. She was t- she fuck was Anthony th- Rapp. He
3: doesn't deserve anything
0: because <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he was 22, but she was 25. So ah, okay. I mean, again, it's not cra- it's not 30. But, no, but no. It, she tied with someone else, but who I don't even remember her character in date, and, and so she's for all intents and purposes the oldest lead on set. We're not dissing her because of it. Shut the category here. This is obviously a movie a lot of people love. Rotten Tomatoes has a 90% score by the critics. I'm sorry, 91% by the critics, 90% by the audience. So I've never met someone who doesn't like this film. I'm sure there are people out there. But uh, uh, here on High School Slumber Party, we grade things now via the report card grade. So A plus to F. So Matt, what's your grade for this film, Dazed and Confused?
3: I would say Days to Confused is probably a B plus. Um... Hmm. It's it's a movie that while I definitely really enjoy it, it's I don't have any problems with it. It's not one that I would say is like a movie I keep running back to. And it's not one that I'm like, I need to have this movie in my collection. It's one where like when it happens, you're like, hey, this is a nice surprise. You enjoy it while it's there and then you're good. You don't feel like you need to have this movie around in your life, but it's always enjoyable when it is.
0: Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I'm just, I'm very high on it because it actually exceeded my expectations. I'm giving this one a solid A. You have to realize, I watch high school films all the time, so... Do you? You should start a (laughs) podcast. (laughs) On the high school chart, it's such a breath of fresh air. I wasn't sure what to expect, to be honest with you, because I didn't know. Sometimes some of the older stuff is old, could be overrated, not necessarily always a bad thing. But I, you know, I had a blast watching this. I, you know, I have no complaints, really. I have no negative feedback, except some creepy moments, but I get it, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Other questions. Every week I asked my guests if they had to have any sleeping bag that was themed to this movie, what would it be? This is kind of a hard one. If you had to have a dazed and confused sleeping bag, what would it look like?
3: Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say it's probably going to just have to be tie-dye, I think.
0: Yeah, that would work. That would work. Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna say that or either one of uh something that looks like one of the cars in the film. Could look
3: like much. one of the cars. Co- oh you know what? One that looks like the ugly ass shirt that Mitch wears when he goes <laughs> out with the high schoolers, just that, that confusing like brown <laughs> patterned button down. <laughs>
0: Oh, I loved that shirt. It was so 70s. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> okay, last question. Rent two movies, get one free, I call this. You and I were having this slumber party. We're in Blockbuster. But again, I've had to clarify this. Blockbuster exists today. Don't think of just movies that existed in Blockbuster's time. But we're, we're in Blockbuster. There's a sale that says, rent two movies, get one free. We've already rented Days and Confused. What other movies, two movies, are we bringing to the slumber party?
3: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say we're probably also going to do... I'm going to put Mallrats on that. If we're I going like with, like, 90s kind of stoner comedy, it's got a London brother, it's got Joey Lauren Adams. So that's going to fit in nice. And Ben Affleck. Holy shit, I forgot It's about true, ben yeah.
0: Everyone, everyone works with everyone again, I'm telling
3: you. Yeah, I know. You. I'm going to say <laughs> that one... Dazed and Confused, and then the, you know what? We're going to go ahead and we're going to do My Boyfriend's Back. Nice. For the 3 a.m.
0: bullshit movie. Absolutely. That's going on last. It's lovely. It's, I love it's it.
3: It's only for the hardcore friends who stay up for the all of them.
0: <laughs> perfect, perfect. I love that three. Well, Matt, it was a pleasure. You know, really appreciate you coming on and chatting about this film anywhere people can follow you or find you or anything um, you'd like to plug or promote
3: anywhere that they want to try and find me uh is going to most likely be on Twitter they can find me at m delhauer d e l h a u e r v o uh where i am trying to uh, push more for my voiceover work and ambitions. Uh, same on Instagram. They can find me on Facebook, but don't. I would rather you don't. <laughs> um, as well as they can look around for the Ginger Geek podcast. It's been in hiatus for a little while now, but I have a feeling I am going to get back to it because I, I have sort of an itch to get back to it, which they can find online uh, wherever you get podcasts. The Ginger Geek podcast uh, you can find on uh twitter at g n g r geek pod and uh that's about it well
0: if you you know you want to get the voice over stuff over th- what a perfect medium than a podcast right people are hearing exactly. your, your velvety tones and loving it and, <laughs> and i am as well i had a blast doing this and thanks so much and we'll definitely want to have you on again
3: oh yeah thanks man i had a great time
0: Ah, those aforementioned velvety tones. <laughs> Always great having Matt on. Really appreciate it. Big thank you to Matt for helping me discuss this American classic. Wow, Days and Confused. Awesome film. Definitely, again, if you haven't seen it and you listened to that full episode, check it out because that would be weird. Next week we're pivoting a bit. And remember, I, when I say next week, I mean next Monday because. The twice a week thing, it's still happening guys. And we have a Monday study session. That's right. Weekend homework. And your weekend homework is to watch a very different film targeted to a very different audience. The film is Small Soldiers.
1: Global Tech Defense System. In a secret lab, the world's most advanced military microprocessor has been created. But the Cold War is over. For Globotech to survive, new markets must be found. Now, all that power has been placed into the brain of a fighting machine unlike any known to man. They made it strong. They made it clever. They made it small. They made a mistake. Major Chip Hazard reporting for duty, sir. Wow, voice activated. Commandos, team oh, yeah! pick! Tail gnaw, soldier! Rick Bazooka, ready to spring into action. Butch oh! Meat prepared to go to distance. Hit Nitro, demolition. Kip <laughs> Killigan, sharp as a razor. You are the best of the best. Heartland play systems. I'm having trouble with the commando elite. It's like they're alive. Let's roll some armor. We got us a war to win. The few. We have met the enemy. He is big. He is fat. (laughs) The proud. He has revealed a weakness.
4: Alan, please, you have to help.
1: (laughs) Major Chip Hazard wants a war. We'll give him a war. The small. Who are you calling small? This summer.
0: Babes at 12 o'clock.
1: Join the Commando Elite. Gentlemen, those are
0: reinforcements. Commandos, attack! No mercy! Incoming!
1: Small soldiers. Command post to break bazooka, report.
4: It's just a flesh wound, sir.
0: You have to be crazy not to be scared. And my guest on Monday will be a first-time guest. We haven't had one of those in a while. But he's my really, really, really great friend. And an actual high school classmate of mine, Danny Kim. You're going to love him. Trust me. It's a fun episode. We recorded it right before the quarantine. So we were able to interact with each other. You know, human interaction. We missed that, right? So check that out. Monday, it's going to drop. It's a special Monday study session. And I thank you guys so much for listening today and tuning in on Monday and doing everything you do to make High School Slumber Party what it is. And I'm going to leave you with, of course, another song from the Great Days and Confused soundtrack. We talked about it on the episode. No more Mr. Nice Guy, Alice Cooper. And remember, guys, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you might miss it. Later, dudes.